and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here and so excited for my very special guest today, one of my very own sisters, Sarah Van Doren. So if you know me, you'll know that I come from a huge family. I have seven siblings, five sisters and two brothers. So Sarah is my older sister. We are only a year and a half apart. So growing up, we were super close, super close in age, uh, super close in general. And it's just been really cool to have someone in your life that you love and care about so much and to have her on the podcast today is such a joy. About a year ago, I had my oldest sister on the podcast, Yulia Van Doren, who is an opera singer. And so we had a whole conversation about opera and crystals because she also writes books about crystals. Um, So if you want to know more about my family and that dynamic, you can check out that episode. But today's episode, we dive into Sarah and Sarah's life. And Sarah is a mother. She has two beautiful baby boys, my nephews, who are the lights of my life. I love them so much. And so we talk a lot about motherhood in this episode and specifically motherhood and mental health and dealing with postpartum anxiety and how motherhood can truly be the most spiritual act that you can have as a human, parenthood in general. And so I think it's a really interesting conversation because you'll get to see kind of how we are alike, how we're similar and how we're different. And and also how our childhood really affected us differently. Because if you've listened to my intro episode, uh, you'll know that I have a very unique upbringing. My mother raised us homeschooled. We were very involved in the arts. As kids, we were in theater, ballet, music, dance, all those kinds of things. Our education was really an artistic, creative one, which I'm so incredibly grateful for. And we also lived on an ashram in our teenage years, which we talked about um, in this episode with Sarah. And so it's just really interesting to see how, I think honestly, one of the best thing about having so many siblings is that you share this life experience with people, but they're you're so different. You're so alike, but so different. So. I think that's the coolest thing about having so many siblings, just like having shared life experience, but really experiencing it in individual ways. So yeah, in this episode, you'll hear Sarah talk about motherhood, about postpartum anxiety, about mental health, and really about the spirituality of being a parent and what that teaches you and and how that kind of shows you in the ways in which you need to grow. So really, really excited for this episode. I can't wait for you to meet another one of my family members. It's definitely my goal to have every single one of my siblings on the podcast. So now we have two down and five more to go. So enjoy this conversation with Sarah and I will see you on the other side. Well, hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for coming on the Creative Soul Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So the first question that I always start off with is what is currently fueling your creative soul? It's a really hard question. I feel like I'm not in a, in a phase in my life where I'm very creative. My day to day is very stressful and overwhelming being at home with two kids. So I'm kind of cut off from my creativity, to be honest. So Mm. yeah, I don't have something that like I don't have like a a hobby or anything that's like a specific creative outlet. I used to write every day, but now I don't even do that. So it goes in phases. When you find yourself in moments of stress or overwhelm, is there anything that helps you kind of like come back to the present moment or like, how do you not let it overwhelm you completely? Well, I have to deal with that a lot with just having Luca's three, three years old. And then I have Skylar who is 10 months old. And so the toddler is really uh, challenging and I have to come back in the moments all the time. Like 
it's because I don't want to yell at him. I don't want to like raise my voice at him. I use, I have like an area in my bedroom where I have two pillows and I use those to like scream into them and, or like hit the pillows or like do things like that to just like get my anger out or get my frustration out in like a healthy way instead of yelling and screaming at him. And just, I do a lot of deep breathing, deep breathing and yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to, I don't know. It's a lot. So yeah. Yeah. Deep breathing, coming back to breath, but the tool that we have at all times and allows us even when we have no other time or space or energy for any, you know, other tools that could take more time or more energy that, you know, sometimes we don't have with limited resources being a mama and raising two rambunctious boys. But actually this question kind of came up. I'm wondering if like watching Luca play and watching Luca kind of engage in his creativity, if that has taught you anything about yourself or about him or kind of has sparked something in you just seeing like a child being in, in pure play. Like, what does that feel like? It's honestly like, I feel like maybe when he was younger, you kind of marvel at it a little bit more, but now it's just kind of what he does all day. So it's just kind of how it is. And you know, the way that he plays is very, he's very active. So he's running and he's jumping and he's, you know, he loves to play with his cars. So, and then he'll look down and he's looking how they work. So he's very curious about how everything works and like how everything goes together. So that's definitely been interesting to kind of like see, cause that's not how my brain works at all. Like he's very almost like detail oriented and he like kind of sees the whole picture of what's going on. And I don't think that way at all. So it's just been interesting to kind of see his personality develop and the way that he engages in the world is, has been definitely interesting. Wow. Oh yeah. That's so cool. It's cool to, to see how he's different from you, like seeing how his brain brain works differently. That's so interesting. So for those of you who don't know, Sarah's my older sister. We're a year and a half apart and we've been pretty much close our entire lives. And my dream is to have every single one of my siblings on this podcast. And so Sarah graciously accepted. And so I kind of want to talk about our childhood and the way that we grew up, because I think us being homeschooled, us being really involved in the arts. I know for me and you as well, we were very involved in theater at a young age, singing, dancing. You were very involved in ballet and just had a really unique artistic childhood. So will you kind of talk about that from your perspective and and just like give us your story, but from your perspective? Yeah, I think it's interesting because when I was in it like growing up and always having to go to these concerts and operas and and be in the shows and everything like it wasn't something that I particularly enjoyed and I kind of resented it a lot of the time you know like when I think about you in theater like you loved you loved it and I feel like I just did it because I had to Mm. and I think a lot of it was also just being in the middle is just it was you know, and this is kind of my place in the family, but being the mi- in the middle, I felt like I was just always kind of like the average Joe. Cause I had these like older siblings who are like amazing at everything they do. And then I have these younger siblings who are amazing at everything they do. And I felt like I was just kind of in the middle there. So then I would use that as like, well, well, I'm not good. So I'm just going to like be, you know, I was just always crazy and rambunctious and and wild and kind of just would like choose having fun over like trying to be the best. Cause I'm like, well, the best spots are already taken. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. chill here in the middle. So, so yeah, I think like, you know, when I think of all the stuff that we would do, it's like, I think I really am grateful for it now. Cause it has definitely shaped me a lot as a person, but I don't know. I think like when I look at you and how you like continue to study theater and like, you still love all of that stuff. Where it's like, as you know, I don't do any of that stuff at all anymore. And, Mm. you know, so I don't know. Wow. So, yeah. So interesting to hear like that maybe if you had grown up in a different family, maybe you would have never even like explored those avenues or you would have explored maybe something different that, that you are maybe naturally more inclined to. And so actually this kind of brings me to how would you define creativity and how would you define like what how you experience creativity I think for me when I think of like 
creativity, I just think of doing something that just makes you just like joyful, like something that just makes you like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's that feeling of, of not, you know, they, they talk about like a sports when you're in like the feeling of not, it's like being present, basically just Mm. being no, no time, no space, just like doing something and just, you know, the one thing now that I'm saying that the one thing that I can think of that really brings me to that feeling a lot is rollerblading. Like I love rollerblading. And it's one of the activities that like really will bring me into that space of just like childlike joy, just happiness and just like, just the happiest spot I could be in. So when I think of creativity, I don't know, I think of something like that, but then it's kind of interesting because I'm like, I don't think of rollerblading as a creative activity, but I guess it is. Yeah, totally is. And and I love what you're saying about that. It's like no time, no space. Like that just makes yeah. me think of flow and that's totally what rollerblading is. And I think, I mean, observing you as your sister, I feel like you connect with your creativity through your body in a lot of ways. Like, I feel like you experience creativity really physically. And I'm thinking that, you know, you did yeah. ballet at a very young age and were, was, and then you got really into yoga too. And like yeah. using your body to express yourself. So will you talk a little bit more about either, I don't know how you experienced that doing ballet as a kid or how that kind of evolved as you got older? Yeah. Well, that's interesting that you were saying that before. Cause you were saying like, uh, you know, picking, maybe I would have done something if I had, you know, picked something else, but ballet was something I a hundred percent picked. Like it was not something that our mom had wanted me to do. It wasn't like, like, whereas like all the shows, like I never had a choice in, in all the other stuff, but this was something that I wanted to do. And I remember I could choose between doing gymnastics and doing ballet. I was like, I couldn't do both. So I chose ballet and I started when I was six. And I don't even remember like why I wanted to do it, but I think it was just this, you know, the the school that we went to, we had happened to have like a really prestigious training school in our town. And I think it was just like that feeling of being around people who care so deeply about what they're doing mm. and are just so dedicated to this art that like even from a young age it just like totally drew me in and 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 shaped a lot of of my personality and my life and and my work ethic because it was just like you know they taught you about how you know you have to work hard for your success and you have to I don't know that like nothing's handed to you and you have to really dedicate yourself to something so fully to to get a result that you want. So I don't know. And then, you know, the, I danced from when I was six until I was, I don't remember, maybe 13. Like, you know, I, I didn't go to school. I was homeschooled. So I danced full-time. That was like my full-time thing. And I think I stopped. The reason I stopped was like, you know, I'm 13. So I'm, you know, going through puberty. I want to go to school. I remember I wanted to, I was like, I want to have a boyfriend. I want to be in school. I want to like have a life. Cause I did, there was no balance. There was no, it was like all of this or nothing. And then I also felt just the same way that I was talking about earlier. Like I just was always kind of, I was okay, but I was not amazing. And it, it was very much like the school was slating you and setting people up to go to the top ballet companies in the world so it's like you were either amazing or you weren't and I wasn't at that top level so it was kind of like well maybe it's not you know maybe it's not my my end goal so I just I stopped but then I I didn't and then I didn't dance for a lot of years and then I started dancing in high school again just kind of a lot more casually and same thing with dance like it it brings me that that same like joy that rollerblading does or sometimes that writing does just like that you know that that creative feeling so I did it then in high school I was on the dance team on high school and then I was also on the dance team in college but like very casually and like in college I barely did it at all and so now I don't dance at all but now that I'm talking about this I'm like I probably should just like Mm. go to a class every once in a while oh (laughs) yeah I feel like you love it so yeah it's funny even hearing you talk about it because yeah. even as your sister, I kind of forgot how big dance, like how big a part of your life dance was like, no, it's, kind of yeah, <laughs> it's like, we kind of forgot, but 
Yeah. (laughs) But you were literally full-time in class from age six to age 13. And yeah, when you're talking about like that type of dedicated focus, and it's funny because I was, when I had Daniela on the podcast and Daniela also who we had an episode with Daniela who danced with the New York city ballet. And she also went to the same ballet school that Sarah's talking about. And it, it makes me think of the Disney plus had this documentary show called on point where they follow people who go to school of American ballet. And it's like totally that life. And it's just such a, an interesting way to be so dedicated to something and to be so single focused while I admire that greatly. It's like, like you said, there's no balance. So it's like, you can't really live a full human life because, and so how can you really be an, a full artist? Because you're not experiencing a full life. You're just studying and just training. And like, I don't know if you can ever be a full artist, if you're only ever experiencing your craft and not actually experiencing real life. Yeah. It's like, it's a beautiful thing to see because it's such a, I don't have that inherently in my personality, like the ability to dedicate myself to one thing so fully, I would say besides being a mom, but like, it's kind of like what you're saying, like for someone to be like amazing at what they're doing, like the best of the best of the best are those types of people who, who dedicate every single day to the same thing. And so it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, I don't know, like, are those people happy or are they I don't know, do they get so much joy from their craft or their art or their music or whatever it is that they are willing to do that? Or is it like they have no other choice? I don't know. Yeah, that's a really good question. Cause even sometimes I feel almost like jealous in a way of those people. Cause I'm like, I wish I could do that, but I just know I don't have that personality either. Like I would go crazy and yeah, then it, but then, and then it also makes me wonder like, oh, well, can you not be the best at your craft, unless you do that. Like I remember even in college when I would, you know, practice singing, I had this mentality and it's probably from the way we grew up. And I, I was like, I'm never going to be a singer unless I practice 10 hours a day, which is ridiculous if you think about it. But I feel like that's the kind of dedication we saw to the craft, any craft growing up that, and, and then it brings me to the question, like, well, can you, you know, can you like, I mean, and it's like, obviously, yes, of course, I, not everyone well, out there is singing all day. It. You can do it and you can enjoy it, but I don't think you can be the best if you don't dedicate yourself at that level. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that needs to be the goal of like, you can just dance just to dance. And that's what I realized after I stopped dancing there, I was like, wait, I can just be on this like high school dance team where they don't, I don't have to wear my leotard and tights in a certain way and my hair can be however and I can just dance like I don't have to be the best dance school at the best place and try to be the best in my class like I can just have fun and I think like that's I don't know that was you know something that that I realized after I I did that so oh that's beautiful yeah just kind of letting go of the structure almost or and just allowing yourself to really be in it without just to do it just to do it yeah Create for the sake of creating. Let's get into uh, motherhood again, because you're a wonderful mom to two beautiful boys. My favorite people. If you follow me on Instagram, then you definitely know my obsession with my nephews, Luke and Sky. And I know that you've had a journey with motherhood and you're also, there's your, I have five older siblings and you're my what basically the, you're the only one in our family who has kids and, and you're like, and like you said, you're in the middle. So none of our older siblings have kids as Sarah was really the first one. And so will you talk a little bit about like your expectations of motherhood or what you, what you thought you were getting into and maybe the reality of the situation? (laughs) Well, you know, the thing is that like people, when you're pregnant, like people will try to scare you and like tell you all these stories and you just kind of like are first of all it's like thanks for the unsolicited advice and also you just don't understand you have no idea like you can tell me you're not gonna sleep and then I'm like yeah I know I'm not gonna sleep and then I'm not sleeping and I'm like oh that's oh so I had like a really really amazing pregnancy with Luca like I like felt like a goddess like I loved every single day of it I was just the happiest I loved my body I was just like in pure bliss like the entire pregnancy and it was kind of like you know it was really nice that I had such a good pregnancy but it it set me up for 
disaster because (laughs) I was not prepared for postpartum. And like, I had a feeling that I would have some sort of postpartum depression because he was born in December. So I was like, Oh, I probably will have something. Cause I always get like just seasonal depression in the winter. So like, I like kind of thought that, but I didn't talk about it with anyone. Like I didn't, my OB didn't even ask about that or set talk. Like they don't talk about anything about postpartum during your pregnancy. Like when you're pregnant, you have like 50 prenatal visits. And when you're postpartum, you have literally one. So I was not prepared for postpartum and I was not prepared for, you know, like the, you know, they, you, you set up for all the clothes and all the diapers and, and you get your registry and you get your everything ready, but you don't set up for the emotional and mental load that is about to come over you. Like it's, and, and I think everyone of course has their own experience, but for me, my I didn't have depression, but I had postpartum anxiety and it was really intense. It was not, it didn't really set in until about six months postpartum. And it was, it was, you know, it was a really challenging time, especially because I felt so isolated, not only because I'm in the city with, with just my husband and don't have any family around and don't have any family who also have kids. And I didn't really have any friends that had any kids either. I'm kind of the first in my friend group to have kids too. So you, you're feeling all this stuff and then you don't have anyone to really reach out to. So there was a point, like it really, it really peaked for me between like six and 12 months postpartum. And I just had severe anxiety and I had severe, I had really horrible intrusive thoughts, which at the time I didn't even know what intrusive thoughts were. I just thought I was going crazy because you have these thoughts of like, oh, what if I push the stroller in the street? Or what if I did this? And what if it's, it was always something bad happening to them um, or to him or, you know, by me doing it on purpose, which is the worst or by it by accident. Like it was just this, and it was like, it plagued me. Like it was horrible. And I didn't realize that it was normal until I read this book and I forget what it was called, but it was talking about intrusive thoughts. And it was like 96, it was like 96 or 98% of new moms and even some new dads will have some sort of thought like that. Like, oh, you're standing at the staircase, like holding the baby. Oh no, what if we fell? Or what if, what if I dropped him by accident? Like things like that. So it's been such a journey of like, understanding that, understanding where it comes from, understanding where it comes from within me, understanding where it comes from just as being a mom in general. Yeah. Cause the, those were like some dark days that I felt like I was really by myself. And, and I think a lot of moms won't reach out in those moments when they have, when they might be afraid of, you know, how they're feeling or what they're thinking. And, you know, I have heard stories of like people going to their doctor and, and telling them about an intrusive thought and they'll commit the mom and like try to take the kid away. And it's like, it just shows what a horrible like gap we have in our, in our mental health care, especially for moms, because like for, for a doctor to be like, oh my gosh, you had a thought that means you're crazy. We're going to commit you. Like that's why so many moms aren't getting help because they think that. And some people who are doctors also think that because they're not educated and maternal mental health and mental health in general. Mm. So I have a lot of things to say about that. (laughs) But I, so I educated myself on that. I read a lot of books and I'd started to like, you know, realize that having these thoughts, having intrusive thoughts doesn't mean I'm a bad mom. Doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Does not mean I'm ever going to do anything to hurt my kids. It's just, you know, it's like the way that I have like learn to see it. It's just like, first of all, as humans, we have like, our brains are not, what's the word? Our brains are not evolved. Like our brains still operate on the level they did when we were cavemen. So like in a lot of the ways, our brain will operate that way. So it's like, as a mom, you have a kid, right? So you're always looking out for danger. You're always looking out for danger. Like imagine like the cave woman or the caveman, like being there, like, you know, you're always in, in those days, it meant if you, you know, if you don't protect, you're all dead. 
And it's like, we live in a lot safer society now by, you know, by the logistical means of it, but in a lot of ways, our brains still work that way. And some people are extra wired to be like that. So I just kind of run on a, on a higher anxiety level. So then having a kid then just makes that like extra. So I'm trying, what I'm trying to explain is like that, that feeling, like those feelings of like, what if something were to happen? It's kind of like, as a mom, you're always looking out for danger. You're always looking how to protect, how to like, because you love and care about them, not because you're crazy. And, and so I don't know what I'm saying makes sense, but totally. Yeah. So it's been a journey. Wow. Well, first, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that. Cause I think it's so important that people start talking about it. And, and like, before you went on your journey, like, like you said, I had never even considered that that would be a thing. And the fact is, yep. is that so many mothers like deal with that, but it's not talked about. And so it, then they feel even more alone because they're like, am I the only one? And that's just such a terrible thing to go through on your own and to not feel yeah. that support from the society. And even if you do reach out for help that like, then it could be detrimental to yeah. your family, which is just so wrong. And no, moms need more postpartum mental health support. And I think, you know, when I was going through this, if I had seen like somebody else talk about this, at least like, I'd be like, Oh my God, like, thank God I'm not, I'm I'm not alone. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and I see it now on Instagram. There's a whole lot of like, like maternal mental health people, psychologists, like there's a lot more research and you see them talk about this stuff. Now you see them talk about intrusive thoughts and postpartum rage and stuff like that, that I still experience. But like when I was doing it the first time around, I had no idea. And I felt so alone. And I was like, you know, so it's, they are, people are talking about it more, but like, it needs to continue to be talked about because it's just, yeah, it's, there's just no reason why as a new mom, you should be, you should feel isolated because it's so hard. And Mm. yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, like after going through that experience with Luca and, you know, now after having learned so much and having that three-year gap between Luca and Sky. I'm curious, like how was Sky's pregnancy and, you know, he's 10 months old. So you're in the first year, you're almost done with the first year. Like how has it been different for you and how have you been able to kind of manage and, and create coping strategies? So it's been so different, almost like, you know, so, so completely different. So first of all, my pregnancy was horrible. Um, with Sky. My first pregnancy with Luca was like bliss. My second pregnancy with Skylar was like death. Like it was the worst <laughs> thing ever. And I think I have a two-year-old. I'm home in lockdown in a pandemic. A oh. lot of other like personal things going on. Like everyone's 2020. I was pregnant. Like oh it, was just, it was just hor- horrible, like awful. But during my pregnancy, like I did you know, I set myself up with support. Like when I was five, when I was like, I all throughout, when I, the minute I got pregnant, I was like, for, cause for a while I was like, I'm never having another kid. Cause I don't ever want to have to be in this position again. Like it's too much. Mm-hmm. But then when I felt ready and I got pregnant, I was like, I know that I'm gonna, I need to find a therapist now. So I have this, this person for me to just walk through this pregnancy with and be there for me postpartum. Cause I know it's, you know, I'm, I've, I already had postpartum anxiety. The chances of having it again are high. So I really spent my pregnancy, like cultivating connections and trying to build kind of like a, a village of sorts around me. So one of the two biggest things that have are, and, and to this day are making my life manageable are my therapist and my mom's group. So when I, when I got pregnant, you know, you joined the, what to expect, like mom group due date of your baby. And so in that group, there's like a hundred thousand people, but then one of the girls made like a Facebook group. So then we were in a group of like 150 people. And then whenever the babies were born, I was like, cause you know, you're up in the middle of the night, like feeding this baby all night long. And I, I like, I messaged, I like made a post and I was like, Hey, does anybody want to join like a late night, like chat, like a messenger group? So we can like, you know, cause we know we're all up, like let's chat in the middle of the night. 
And we know that, cause I was like, you know, Instagram is dead. Everyone, no one's around. Everyone's sleeping except for you and your baby. And I watched all of Bridgerton. Like there's nothing else to watch. <laughs> so I was like, we need to make a group. So we made this group in January and now here we are in October. And like, literally we're like, they're the, they're my best friends. Like they're the best people ever. And they are one of the biggest reasons that like one of my biggest supports right now. Cause it's like, you know, there's in, in our main chat group now, there's like 20, 22 of us around something like that. And they're just like, you know, we we keep in contact all day. You, like we share what's going on. We share bad days, good days. You like, and it's just a group of people that just get it, you know, like we all get it and we're all bonded by this same exact thing. So honestly, you know, I had, and, and still am dealing with, I, you know, for me, anxiety is never going to go away. I'm always going to have anxiety. That's just part of who I am, but it goes in waves, right? And it goes in waves where it's like manageable and where it's like totally not manageable. But even when it's like totally not manageable and like three years ago, me would like not be able to handle it. I'm like, I can still handle it. Cause like I have my therapist, I have weekly therapy. Even if I'm feeling great, I still have weekly therapy. She's like a staple in my life. And like, you know, I, I know that I can like come to that session and I can share and I, I can share everything and everything. And it's like, I just take it out of my, my emotional backpack. It's gone. And like, there's no judgment and yeah, I would not be okay without those two things. And really that's it. Like for me, you know, and I think it's like finding what, what makes you feel safe and comfortable and what makes you feel loved. And like, you know, maybe that's like, something else for a different type of person. But for me, it's all about connection and having that like support and connection and in relationships. So Mm. that has, you know, and, and these girls, like the, my mom's group, I'm, I'll probably, we will probably always stay friends and always stay in touch. Like we have, we have a vacation plan for April where we're all getting together in Fort Lauderdale. We'll go to Florida and we're just going to like, and like most of us are just meeting for the first time, but it's like, we know everything about each other. So it's like, it's just the best. So it's like, that literally has changed the game for me. And this year has been so hard and having, you know, I have, I dealt, dealt with, and I'm dealing with some of the same anxiety stuff postpartum, but again, it's manageable. It's like, it's Mm. postpartum anxiety. I definitely had it second time around, but it's manageable and I'm managing it. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. I love, I mean, I love that the game changer was really like community and support. And I think that's something too, that's just so backwards in our society now. I mean, like children were literally raised by villages, you know, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And it's only now in our modern day and age in the last like a hundred years or so that we're so isolated, especially you being in New York city, like you're in a huge apartment building you know, everyone's isolated in their, in their apartments and you're, you know, you have to do everything by yourself. And so create yeah. the ways that you can intentionally create community and create support. I think it's just so cool. And I will say too, that like, it, it's so cool, like that you have your mom's group for your birthday. They, um, surprised you with, I think they like paid for you to get your hair done, but they surprised, they, they all like pulled their money together and just gave you this sweet gift because they knew that you were going through a really hard time and wanted to support you. And I, I don't know any of these people, but they reached out to me on Instagram and were like, can you give Sarah this? Like we want to surprise her. And so I just, that really touched me. Cause it's just to see people, I guess, support and care about someone that you care about so much was just really touching. And so it's just cool that that can be one one cool thing about social media and really creating online community when you don't have any. Totally. And I think it's like, I talk about it a lot in therapy because it's like, you know, just with the pandemic in general, it was really hard on everybody and, you know, it's still hard on everybody, but mom's got the short end of the stick because a lot of them had to stay home from work and, and work from home and take care of their kids at home, help them go to school at home. Like a lot of moms had to leave their jobs permanently. You know, it's like, for me, I, I was, I stayed at home and I'm still staying at home. So it's just, it's, it's isolating for, for mom in this day and age in general, but then add on the pandemic. And it's like, no one is supposed to do it this way. Like we are not wired to do it this way. So if you wonder why you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious and frustrated and angry and full of rage, it's because it's not right. Like this is not, this is not it. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's just hard. Yeah. That like mom's definitely got the short end of the stick and just not having kind of that recognition. I feel like in the States, at least, I don't know how it is in other countries. I think in other countries, maybe they are like, at least I'm in Guatemala right now. And like, it's very community-based community focused. The whole family is around your neighbors, you know, but yeah, yeah, being so isolated, is just, I mean, it's not good for humans. So how can you expect us to raise other humans in that environment? Yeah. So I think it's like for long-term for me and for the boys, like we do want to get out of the city just because I never imagined like fully raising them here. And, you know, Luca's going to be four in December. So we're, I'm planning to leave at the, you know, summer, summertime of this year or of next year, I guess. So, you know, hoping to just find somewhere where I can have like more in real life community and, yeah, and I'd love to go somewhere where there's more family around, but our family's kind of all over the place. So there's not like one concentrated place where we all are. So. I know. Yeah. That's, that's the bummer, but wow. So I, I love talking about the intersection of creativity and spirituality. And so I'm, yeah, I'm curious what your spiritual, what your relationship to spirituality is. How would you describe that? How would you really describe your connection to something larger than yourself or than us? So I think this is like a question that is something that I'm working through or, or that I'd like to work through, I'd say. It's like, I feel like in my life, I'm just kind of like frozen in this time period because it's just so hard. I can't focus on literally anything else. Mm. But something about me is like, I'm, I'm incredibly spiritual and I'm incredibly like connected and, and I pray to God and like, I am very spiritual and I would say I'm more spiritual than I, than most people probably know because I, I kind of like shy away from it because I have these like kind of beliefs that like to be spiritual or to be really connected to God or to belief or whatever is like uncool. And it's like totally related to being a teenager being forced to live on an ashram <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, you know, you know, for those of you who don't know, when I was, I was, our whole family moved across the country, but I was 16 at the time. So I was not like, my little sister was like 11. Like Leia was, how old were you? You were 14. Like, yeah. just like, you know, like a little younger Aaron was like, what, whatever. Aaron was 12. Okay. So yeah. So like the rest of the, the younger three than me were kind of like middle school. Like Leia was just going into high school. Yeah. I had just finished my sophomore year of high school and I was going to go be a junior in high school. So I moved across the country and like my whole life is flipped upside down and I'm living in a freaking cabin <laughs> with my family and on an ashram and where these people come to be super spiritual and do yoga and, and, and chant and meditate. And like, I was kind of, again, forced into this environment that I very much hated because my whole life was ruined. Like my boyfriend was across the country, my friends, I had no friends. I had to be on a bus for two hours. Like it was like one of the worst years of my life. And so I had this, like, just kind of, just kind of, you know, anger towards that stuff but like in Mm. reality like me at my core like I do yoga and I and I do like to meditate and I do like to to pray and like I do believe in all of those things so it's kind of like this it's kind of I don't know it's it's interesting I'm I'm still figuring it out but I'm like yeah I think I have this kind of like guard up almost against it like I don't Mm. let myself get too much into it because I like think it's like stupid but that's like this my 16 year old self talking wow <laughs> it's years older now <laughs> I'm yeah just what an interesting unique experience like how many people can say that they were living on an ashram and and now kind of have some re- reservations about about those beliefs but yeah it's just interesting too it's like talking about creativity and spirituality how I feel like I've kind of gone into those spaces versus yeah like I feel like you totally embraced it like you Mm. you are totally like kind of living that life of like like somebody who would go and stay at that ashram you know what I mean right I know it's 
kind of living the opposite life, like in New York, like working at, I was working at like a really fancy restaurant, like very complete opposite. Mm. So I think it's like, I definitely kind of rebel against that. Mm, Um, Totally. but, But like at my core, like I am that type of person. You, know you are I mean? which type of person? Like a, oh, very, like a spiritual like a very spiritual person. And again, oh. like way more than like people who know me probably think. Like I'm very, it's just like I do it quietly. Cause I'm like, I can't like, I can't like, I don't know. <laughs> I have well, to work through this. Yeah, I think that's actually, you bring up a really good point because I think, you know, in the spiritual community, and I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are in that community or, and, and, you know, I'm in that community. So I see it on my Instagram and, and there's kind of like this spiritual jargon that goes on where people are very, you know, posting their rituals and, and just very loud about their spiritual practices. And so, which is so interesting because then it becomes maybe a little bit performative and not saying that they are, but it's because spirituality, I think is such a unique personal connection. And like, you can't really share it with, with anyone else because it's between you and God or you and, you know, whatever you want to call that. What I would also say is that, especially in this time of my life is that like your spiritual practice, it doesn't have to be like your morning ritual and your, your meditation or whatever it is. It's like, at least for me, my spiritual practice is my life. That is my spiritual practice. Like the amount of growth that I have to face every day and the amount of shit I have to, sorry, can I swear on this? Yeah. (laughs) The amount of shit I have to work through to, to be a better mom and to be a better person, Mm -hmm. the, the childhood traumas that come up for me, like the stuff that I'm doing is is my spiritual work. So it's like, Mm. I'm not doing anything else. I'm just living my life, but my life is my work. You know what Mm. I mean? Oh, I love my heart just like grew. I love that, the, that your spiritual work is your life, because I think that's, that's what it, like, that's how it should be. And, and there's no way that you can do the work or do spiritual work wrong because whatever you need to work through or work on like your life will face you will face that in your life and so yeah yeah and there and I think there's definitely that belief in the spiritual community that it's like well I have to do my this practice and this practice and this practice and this practice and if I'm not then you know then I'm not, then I'm not doing it right. I know that I personally like have tendencies of that, of like, well, if I'm not meditating at least for however many times a day, then I'm not really being spiritual, but that's not true because the way that you, the way that you face challenges, the way that you move through that stuff like that is enough. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Like I haven't, I should start meditating again, but I haven't meditated in over a year. And like, you know, I, just in the amount, like there was a time, like when I was in college where I did a lot of yoga and I did a lot of meditation. I like, you know, cause I had more time to do those things. Like I don't have time when I have, when I have my moments at the end of the night, like I want to watch some trash TV and, and, you know, eat some chips and go to sleep. Like I don't, I'm not like, Oh, let me do my spiritual practice because the whole day I've been I've been working on all, like, I don't know. I'm, I feel like it's just a constant everyday thing. So I don't know. I, yeah, I think it's yeah. just like. I feel like parenthood is probably one of the most spiritual practices that you can do because it really, I mean, and I've never been a parent, so I can only assume, but I assume that it would kind of anything that you haven't looked at yet, like it will show you, it will reveal itself to you. And that's, that can be really challenging and not like, you know, all beautiful new agey, spiritual bliss type thing. Like it's really, you're, you're in the shit, you're in the shit of it. I'm living in the muck, baby. Living in the muck. Yeah. How would you describe like the intersection then of parenthood and spirituality? I think like what you were saying, I think that your kids come to kind of like shatter your beliefs of who you are and, and where you are in the world and, and like heal yourself. Like that's what your kids do. Like they just kind of shine a light on everything that's not healed within you. 
And so it's like, it's a daily, it's a daily thing. Like, you know, it's, I would say it's kind of interesting, like talking with my therapist about it. It's like two, I have two kids and, and Luca is a lot more of a challenging kid. He just is. And it's like, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of the way it is. But the way I see it too, is like, like Luca challenges me so much because he triggers so many of my own my own stuff, my own pain, my own ideas and beliefs. And he triggers that in me. And so it's kind of just like that, you know, I was, again, I'm, I'm referring to my therapist because she's like my lifesaver, but we were having a conversation about, I was like, well, I don't want this to be, you know, I don't want this. I was talking about something that was happening. And I was like, well, I don't want this to be like, you know, Luca's experience of his life or his childhood or whatever and she's like no she's like that's the center of your world that's not the center of his world that's the center of your world she's like you're projecting that about him like that's not about him that's not about him even a little bit it's your stuff that's you and I'm like oh. damn like you know it's like so much of that is like you think you're talking or thinking about your kid but it's really just you so it's kind of like, sometimes I'm like, okay, so what is, like, if I have any rational thought where I'm like, oh, like, what if Luca is feeling this? Or what if he's doing this? It's like, no, what, it, am I feeling this? This is, mm-hmm. what am I feeling? Like, I kind of check in with me instead of projecting it out on him. Because nine times out of 10, it's about me. So that that's like it makes me think of just relationships and just that like your your children are that ultimate mirror because they and and every relationship is a mirror that just shows you what you shows you what you need to work on or just shows reflects yourself back to you and and I love that of like if that's your experience that's not his experience and so you can't make that his experience it's your experience so it's like again that's reflecting back onto you of like what you need to look at and because your children are literally half of you that's like the ultimate mirror so that actually just I didn't really think about how your children would be the the ultimate teacher and so that's like that's just it it almost makes me excited because even though that's challenging and that's hard it's like well what better way to grow and what better way to evolve I mean, yeah, the, the growth is amazing, but growth is really freaking hard. So it's like, it's so challenging, but what was I going to say? Oh, I was, I was saying how, like, you know, you want the best for your kids and like, you want, you're like, how can I make sure that like they turn into a good person and how can I make sure that like, you know, they have a good childhood or whatever. And it's like the number one thing and again, this is something my therapist has told me is like the number one thing you can do for your kids is to work on yourself and to heal your stuff and just be the best version of you. Because by doing that, you're helping you and you're helping them. It's like, again, just taking it out of the like outward view and just bringing it into, to me. Mm, I love that. Um, I'm curious, what advice would you give your younger self. And that can either be you pre-children, pre-motherhood, or you at any point in your life. Like, is there anything that you would want to tell your younger self from who you are today now in your life? Yes. I would tell my younger self that it's kind of hard to put into words. That I, I would tell my younger self that you're not average. I would tell her that you're like, you know, unique and you're different than those around you, but you're not less than, and that you have gifts that are a little bit more quiet Mm. and that's still valid and beautiful. That's what I would tell her. Oh my God. I want to cry. Yeah. Gifts that are quiet. That's such a beautiful reminder. Cause I think that we have existed in a world where if you have a gift or a talent, it can seem like everyone has one, but you, but it's like, you can't not have a gift or a talent because you are uniquely you. And so that's really beautiful. And then one of the last questions is I love sharing creative resources on this podcast. And I know you love, you share my love for reading and 
yeah, is there any content that has inspired you either recently or has been instrumental to your life that you want to share with us? So there's a book that kind of changed my relationship with anxiety that I wanted to share that I think, you know, if you are struggling with anxiety and you're trying to like understand it a little bit more and kind of understand like the deeper reasons behind it, which really changed the game for me. It's called The Wisdom of Anxiety by, I think her name is Cheryl Paul. I could be wrong. Oh, it's wow. called The okay. Wisdom of Anxiety. And it's, it's such a beautiful book. And it just, it really makes you feel like, you know, just understanding a little bit more of, of what you're going through and in a kind of more holistic, like, it's not like a logistic way. It's like kind of like a very spiritual, Mm. very spiritual type book. But that one was a big one for me with anxiety. And then I don't know if I can think of any, I feel like there's definitely a mom book that I read, but I can't think of any ones right now. So I think that's the main one. that. Oh, that's such a good resource. Thank you. I'll include that in the show notes. And yeah, just wanted to say thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on. I, I think it's so cool to kind of talk to you in this space because we talk all the time and we have a very close relationship, but to kind of place it in this context, it's like, I learned things about you today that I didn't know. So I think that's just actually really cool. And I'm really grateful that you said yes. And that you're willing to come on the podcast. Maybe you'll listen to your episode. <laughs> I'll finally get you to listen. Um, but yeah, I just want to say <laughs> that's okay. I'll uh, send you a clip or something, but thank you so much. And yeah, just honored. Thank you so much for having me. Super, super fun. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.